Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Oh, come on, church. Let's just worship the Lord today. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you've given us. Father, we thank you. You so love the world that you gave us Jesus. And Father, today we honor your sacrifice. We honor Jesus' sacrifice. We take a moment out of our day, whether we're here or watching online, to just pause and just honor and reflect on your great love for us and to just give you thanks and to turn our eyes upon Jesus and to look at his wonderful face. And Father, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit will honor this time, that we would just have an encounter with your love for us and that as we end with communion and worship, uh, that Father, you would rest your love upon us and have us be rooted and grounded in that love that you so loved us with. We love you, Father, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated today. Uh, Well, we want to welcome everyone to... Good Friday. And uh, we also want to say hello to everyone who may be watching online. Uh, We know many of you are having to work today, but we're honored that you would take a moment to um, honor uh, the Lord on this day. And it's a beautiful thing to have you with us. Um, I know so many of us have kids with us today as well. I've got mine with me. Uh, And so I'll not communicate long, but I do want to draw our attention today Uh, to the sacrifice Jesus made. Um, That's what Good Friday is for, is on Sunday we honor and celebrate his resurrection. Um, On Good Friday, we honor and reverence his sacrifice uh, for us. And I want to draw our attention to that sacrifice. Uh, I want us to focus on it, and I want us to have a moment of gratitude and honor with the receiving of communion where we recognize his body really was broken for me and his blood really was poured out for me. And that's what I want to draw our attention to today is one, his body broken for our sacrifice and two, his blood poured out for our covenant. Uh, And so let's look at that. I'm not the one who used those terms. It's Jesus. It's found here in the book of Mark, among other places in the gospel. Um, But if you brought your Bible, uh, I encourage you to open it up. And if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. Maybe they can have it on the screens. I'm not sure if they can. Uh, But if if not, you can listen to it um, as I read it. Uh, But a couple of days before his crucifixion, Jesus sat down at a meal called Passover. Um, uh, Globally, that was celebrated on Wednesday. And so the timing would be almost correct here. 
Um, he sits down at this mill called Passover, which is where the children of Israel would gather together to honor the lamb that took away the bondage of Egypt. Uh, for those of you who may be unfamiliar with scripture, just I'll give a brief synopsis of what happened. You know, Joseph comes into Egypt uh, because of his ability to understand visions and dreams. He is able to interpret a dream that Pharaoh has that shows seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Based off of that wisdom, Pharaoh sets Joseph um, as the governor of the nation of Egypt, and he sets up a strategy for people to be blessed in the middle of famine. Um, because of this strategy, it works so well, Pharaoh gives him a land called Goshen, which was the, the most well-watered, or we would say today, prosperous land in Egypt. And um, Joseph's family settles there. The children of Israel begin to come into this place. Remember, Israel is not a physical place, just a physical place. It is a person. Jacob's name was changed into Israel. So Jacob and his descendants, the children of Israel, Joseph being one of them, come and settle in Goshen. And over the process of time, they multiply. Pharaoh dies, new pharaohs come into power who do not understand the blessing the children of Israel were to Egypt, and they begin to enslave uh, God's people. And this is something that for 400 years they lived in bondage until God raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses to come and tell Pharaoh, let God's people go. Uh, you know that Pharaoh would not relent, he would not repent. He would not change. The Bible said he hardened his heart, and it encourages us to not harden our heart, but to listen to the Spirit and to listen to what God is saying. Pharaoh would not relent. He would not change. Um, and so God said, there will be an event that will bring your freedom, and this event will be a Passover, where the angel of death will pass over the land of Egypt. And he told the children of Israel, in order for death not to come into your home, you need to take a spotless lamb in whom there is no blemish. And you need to bring your whole family into your house. And you need to take this lamb, you need to sacrifice it, you need to burn it. And he said, do not eat it raw. You go back and you look at the book of Exodus, do not eat it raw. He said, burn it, put it in the fire. Now, the symbol of everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. He is the scarlet thread. He is the serpent on the pole, and he is the Passover lamb. He said, you need to put him in the fire. Put the lamb in the fire. Roast it. He said, after it has been roasted, make everyone in the household eat of the lamb so that the lamb is in them. Take of the roasted lamb, and he said it was, it was up to the head of the household, the matriarch, the patriarch of the household, to make sure that the lamb was in. It wasn't just enough for the lamb to be roasted. The lamb had to be in every member of the household. And then he said, take the, the, the blood and get a hyssop, which was like a branch, and apply it on the doorpost of your home, and the blood will speak for you. And it'll tell death to pass over you. Um, and so as this, this happens, sure enough, the angel of death comes in. And everyone who did not have the lamb in them, 
and everyone who did not have the blood of the lamb over them, um, death came into their home. And it so shook Pharaoh that this was the event um, that finally took God's people out of bondage. The event of this lamb being in them and the lamb's blood being over them not only delivered them from death, but delivered them from bondage and took them out of the land of Egypt. And so from this, this moment forward, they instituted an event called Passover where they would take a piece of bread and, and wine and juice and to come and have a moment where they put themselves in remembrance of that lamb and of that event that brought them freedom. And they would put themselves in remembrance of that event. And so Jesus is coming here. It'd be like us coming to Christmas or us coming to Easter, like you're sitting around the table and you think you're celebrating one thing. And Jesus sits down at this event called Passover. For 32 years, he has done this. There was no person in Judaism and in the nation of Israel who would not do this. Um, For 32 years, he has done this and honored that lamb. But on this Passover, he, he gathers his disciples and he tells them, it is with desire I have desired to eat this meal with you. And when he sits down with them, he says this in the book of Mark, among other places, each gospel kind of gives its different account. But it says this in verse 22, while they were eating, he took some of the bread and after blessing it, he broke it. After blessing it, He broke it. After blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take and eat of this, for this is my body that is broken for you. He broke it and said, This is my body. This is my body which will be broken for you. Take and break of this bread. And take of it, have it in you, for this is my body which is broken for you. We'll come back to that. And in verse 23, when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said unto them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say unto you. I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And after singing a hymn, this is why I like this part, because we're going to sing at the end of communion. And after singing a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And this is where things lead up to the crucifixion. Take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Take and drink, this is the new covenant which is in my blood. Two things that we are to remember, if you, if you read and know the New Testament, Jesus personally appeared to Paul. Paul was not at this moment. Paul was not a disciple. He personally appears to Paul in a vision and teaches him, of all the things he could teach him, he teaches him communion. And he tells him, write this to the church at Corinth and tell them to do this in remembrance of me. Well, what am I remembering? I'm remembering his sacrifice, his body broken, but also I'm remembering my covenant, for this is the new covenant, which is in my blood. And so I want to talk briefly about those two things, his sacrifice. We need to remember his sacrifice. 
uh, my daughter is uh, driving now, which is amazing. And of course, you know, as parents, you're trying to find ways to get them the vehicles needed to be able to make your life easier. I'm like, this is not just about your pleasure. This is about my life getting easier. We need milk. Uh, you know, all those types of things. And it's brought me into remembrance. Uh, my father, who passed away when I was 17, his dream was always to have a Harley Davidson. Like, that was his dream. He just, he wanted a Harley. And one of the things that I always wanted to get him was a Harley um, because he never got one. Uh, the closest he got to it was a Honda 1500. I forget the, the whole name of it, but it was the closest. It looked like a Harley, and it sounded like a Harley. Uh, and so for him, he enjoyed that bike so much. And I can remember coming home one day, and the bike was gone. And in sat this little red two-door Nissan. Uh, and I'm like, what is going on here? And come to find out, he had bought it for my sister. And I knew what happened. I never heard him complain about it. Um, in fact, I never saw him do anything but smile. But I knew he had sold that motorcycle to buy her that car. Uh, what is that? Sacrifice. And in, in you know, facilitating my child's uh, car, <laughs> I've been thinking about that sacrifice. Um, and out of that, just um, remembering what it actually cost. Remembering. Why? Because when you remember, it makes you love. So oftentimes, like the lepers, we receive the cleansing, but we don't come back and give thanks. And we need to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Um, Jesus, um, his body was broken and his heart was broken. His, his mind was on the verge of breaking um, because of what he suffered for us. He points to it in the book of Mark, um, even before, uh, a couple of chapters before this. Let's just go look at it real quick. Mark chapter 10, and then we'll go to Isaiah 52. Mark 10 and verse 32. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking on ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed him were fearful. And again, so he did this often, he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will spit on him. They will scourge him. They will kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Jesus did this again. He would often pull his disciples aside and tell them what was going to happen. Um, and he knew, which is why in the Garden of Gethsemane, what was his prayer? if there be any other way. Because his whole life, he knew this would happen. Do you remember Mary when she brought Jesus into the, the temple? And a prophet came up to her and he said, he will be the savior of the world. But then he points to Mary and says, but a sword will pierce your heart. Because as a mom, 
she had to watch her son be spat on, be hit, be mocked, be scourged, be crucified. A sword will pierce your heart. Um, scourging, when you, when you look it up, and I don't want to talk too big on it because I know we do have kids in the room, but it was designed to be the most brutal thing you could ever possibly imagine. Uh, the whip was tied in with pieces of bone and glass and other types of things that was literally designed to break your skin to the bone. Most people did not survive it. Um, after his scourging, they placed a crown of thorns on his head, and they beat him over his head with a scepter, a fake scepter, mocking him as the king of the Jews, so much so that it drove those thorns deeper into his forehead. Now, this did something to our Savior, and it's important that we understand what it did, because once again, when you remember, you honor. There are certain things you don't forget, and there are certain things we should not forget. The price of our freedom wasn't free. It's one thing if you go into a restaurant and they tell you the meal is free. It's another thing if you go into the restaurant and find out the meal is paid for. When it's paid for and not free, what do you want to do? You want to get up and find who paid for it and give them thanks. And we need to understand that while our salvation is a free gift, it's a free gift because Jesus paid for it with this sacrifice. And we want to find him and we want to say thank you. Um, this was so, and, and like I said, I've, I've wept all this week just in gratitude. Not out of like sadness, just out of gratitude. But this was so brutal that the prophet saw it in the book of Isaiah. You can turn to it in Isaiah chapter 52. And when he's seeing this hundreds of years in advance... Um, he's, he's watching this kind of play out in his spirit. He says something, and every theologian says this is true, that what you would have endured through the scourging, what you would have done through the, endured through the beating, what you would have endured through the crown of thorns would have done this to you. But in Isaiah chapter 52, in verse 14, just as many were astounded at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any other man. His appearance, the way he looked, was marred more than any other man. You wouldn't be able to recognize him. So much so that the, the prophet, well, I'll just keep reading it to you. His appearance was marred more than any other man. His form more than the sons of men. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouth on account of him. For what they had not been told they will see, and what they do not hear they will understand. Who has believed our message? To whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed, for he will grow up before them as a tender shoot, like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him. No appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Like one from whom men will hide their face. Meaning, he was so marred, you wouldn't want your children to look upon him. You would hide your face from it. 
he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we have been healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like sheep that are silent before shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living... And for the transgressions of my people to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with the rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him. The Lord was pleased to crush him putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the treasure with the strong because he poured out himself to death. He was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for his transgressors. Jesus' suffering was threefold. The suffering of the body. Uh, I'll not belabor that. The suffering of the soul. A man of sorrows. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I can't imagine how upsetting and sorrowful it would be to watch a whole religious system Literally, they have been trained to look for you and to tell a nation to look for you. The very people who should be pointing to you are the very ones saying crucify him. These are the the people who have studied scripture and they're missing God made flesh in front of him and are pointing a whole nation to ask for Barabbas instead of the Lord. Um, Then to go through a moment where we celebrated Palm Sunday, where the whole nation comes out to celebrate uh, with palms the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem, and they're celebrating laying the palms beneath his feet, is the very same crowd who is asking for Barabbas and saying crucify Jesus just a couple of verses later. 
to watch people get into the hype of following you and then in a moment turn their back on you and ask for you to be crucified, which was the the type of death that would be reserved for the worst of the worst. But then to go through also a moment where you have walked with three for three years 12 men and to watch one of those men sell you for 30 pieces of silver, another one of those men deny you, um, that his, his soul was acquainted with sorrow and grief. I, it was a, a sacrifice not just of the body, but a sacrifice of the mind. But then the thing that gets me and this is a a thing that most people don't fully understand, that spiritually he suffered. He had never sinned, ever. He never knew what it was like to sin, to miss the mark. And literally, God lays on him the sin of us all. Uh, We celebrate, like in Galatians 3, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law and blessed with the blessing of Abraham. That full verse reads... For Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. There is no redemption from the curse of the law without him being made a curse. Every, have you ever felt shame for what you did? Felt shame for your sin? Felt shame for like what you said or, or you know, secret sin or whatever it may be? Christ literally paid for that. That shame came on him in that moment, and Christ was made that curse. And the weight of judgment that should come on me and you for all of that sin came on Jesus in that moment. And then the lamb was placed in the fire. And he came and he led captivity captive, and he rose above it all, which we will celebrate on Easter Sunday. But today we honor that sacrifice. But it's not just breaking of the wafer and acknowledging that his body was broken and saying thanks. It is the honoring of his blood was poured out so that I could have a new covenant. He wasn't just wounded, he was wounded for me. He wasn't just whipped, he was whipped for me. He wasn't just scourged, he was scourged for me. This new covenant means that everything he went through, I do not have to go through. Because he didn't open up his mouth, I can open up my mouth. Because he remained silent, I can open up my mouth and I can call upon his name and I can be saved. At any moment, he could have opened up his mouth and God would have delivered him, but he kept his mouth silent. Why? So that we could open up our mouth and say, I don't have to be sick. I don't have to be shameful. I don't have to walk in shame. I don't have to walk in sin. I can I can be free from bondage. I can be free from oppression. I can be free from depression. I don't have to be. I don't have to be acquainted with grief. I don't have to be acquainted with sorrow. I don't have to be acquainted with any of those things. Why? Someone took my place, and so I'm not going to act like the meal wasn't paid for and sit there and wonder like when am I going to eat? It's like I'm going to enjoy the meal and I'm going to find the person who paid for it and I'm to come back and I'm going to give thanks. And I'm going to say, I see what you did. 
But he didn't just do it. He did it for you. He did it to be your substitute. He did it to take your place. Yes, you should be broken. Yes, you should be bruised. Yes, you should come to a place where you don't know what it's like to experience freedom. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what happened in Jesus is he paid the price for what should have happened to us. The guiltless was made guilty so the guilty could go free. We are Barabbas. Jesus is taking our place. We should be on the cross, but because of Jesus, we get to go free. And this is what Good Friday is about. It is honoring him and is making a decision. I will not live in, I'm not going to have him go through all that for me to go through it too. I'm not going to have him go through all that. I'm not going to have him beaten and scourged and whipped for me not to have my healing. By his stripes, I am healed. I'm not going to have him go through all that and then me pay for the dinner too. No, I'm going to accept it's paid for and I'm going to give thanks to the one who paid for it. And Jesus said, as often as you do this, put yourself in remembrance of what I did. And why did he do it? For you. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon him. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Let's read that again. Isaiah 53 in verse number 6. All of us, all of us, like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned his own way. But the Lord, <laughs> but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And so maybe you're you're here today and you have messed up and you have had sin in your life. And it's like, you know what, Pastor Joel, I deserve all this pain. I deserve all this shame. And like the prodigal, it's like, you know, I'll work for whatever he gives me. But you have to see what happened to Jesus was bad. What he went through was awful. Because that's the weight of sin. And we do not make his grace in vain. That we come and we receive his mercy. And we receive his grace. There was a woman, I'm I'm going longer than I wanted to, but it's okay. There was a, we'll we'll take communion here just real quick. There was a woman in Jesus' ministry who came into a house Jesus was reclining at at a table. He was eating. And she came in and she sees his feet. They're still dirty. No one took the time to honor Jesus to wash his feet. It was customary. 
when someone comes in your house, or especially if you had disciples, Jesus was their rabbi, his teacher, it would be customary to honor him, even if it wasn't your house, and be like, Master, let me wash your feet. And then if they didn't, for the head of the household to be like, I'll wash your feet. It was a show of honor. And no one bothered to do it. The head of the household who invited Jesus in to, to eat didn't wash his feet. The disciples didn't wash his feet. But a woman walks in. And this woman has a reputation. We don't know exactly what it was, but she was known for her sin. And maybe some of you know some friends, or maybe you're there yourself, where people know you for your sin. Your, their sin is going around the school. Can you believe they did that? Can you believe they said that? Known for sin. This woman was known for sin. And she sees Jesus' feet unwashed. And she comes. And she is so thankful for Jesus that she begins to wash his feet with her tears. And the Pharisees are looking at this and they're thinking within themselves, if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, he would tell this woman to get up and to stop. But Jesus, knowing all things, how many of you know, Jesus knows even what you think, which is why you need forgiveness all the more. <laughs> he knows his heart. And so he asked Peter this question. He says, Peter, Suppose someone owed, we'll just say a million dollars, and someone owed, you know, 20. Use terms we would understand. He said, I forgave both, meaning you don't owe me the million anymore, and you don't owe me the 20 the more anymore. Who do you think loves more? And Peter thought for a minute, and he said, I suppose the one who owed a million? It's like you have judged correctly. He said, since I walked in this room, not one of you asked to wash my feet. Not one of you saw who I am or that I was even worthy of honor. But this woman, whose sins were many, <laughs> since the moment she walked in, has not stopped washing my feet with her tears. And then he turns to the woman and he says, Woman, you are forgiven of your sins. What does that mean? I don't care if your sins are many. I don't care if you're famous for your sin, known for your sin, if your sin is traveling around the globe as to how bad it is. When we come to Jesus, we give him honor and we give him love because even though our sins are many, he knows all about them too. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, they are forgiven. And what Jesus does not ask for is penance or for you to go through something else in order to earn that forgiveness. But it sure does bless them when you come to him with some tears and thanks and be like, God, I know I don't deserve it, but I got it. I didn't earn it, but it's mine. I didn't have to pay for it, but I'm enjoying it. And I give you thanks for what you did for me, Jesus. I give you thanks for how you love me. I give you thanks for how you've been with me. I give you thanks, Jesus. Wounded for my transgression bruised for my iniquities. I was a sheep who went astray, but you didn't give up on me. You didn't quit on me. You, you, didn't, you didn't just say, it's like, oh, that's what they do. You came and you found me. 
And so, Jesus, we just give you thanks. We give you praise. And that's what we do with communion. As we remember. With communion, when you take of it, you don't just eat the wafer. You break it. You break it. And you remind yourself that his body was broken for me. This is a moment where you come and you accept forgiveness that the price for your sin has been paid for through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And then when you drink of the juice, you remind yourself of the covenant you have with him. The bread will taste dry and it'll taste bitter. Good. It's supposed to. Because you will taste the sweetness of the juice after you eat the wafer. And you're reminding yourself, it's not just, though, that his body was broken. It was his blood was poured out because it's a new covenant. I have a covenant in Jesus. Therefore, anything broken in my life, any dry season of my life, any barren season of my life, any season of my life that is not filling my desire with something sweet, the blood of Jesus will wash away that dry, barren, broken season and usher in a day of new beginnings. Because it's not just a laid in a chamber or laid in a tomb Savior. It is a Savior who rose above all of hell, all of sin, all of disease. He rose above it all. So yes, we have a Good Friday, but we have a Resurrection Sunday that the wine overtakes the barrenness of the bread. And that in your life, it's the same for you, that you have a Jesus who didn't just love you enough to be sacrificed for you. He loved you enough to bring you into victory with himself. A new covenant that is in his blood. And so I'm going to pray over the elements. The worship team will come out as I pray. And during worship, I want you to just have a moment of celebration where you break the bread and you take of the juice. Let's stand our feet and let's pray. Father, we come before you today. We love you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. That all of us, like sheep, have gone astray, but the Lord laid on you the iniquity of us all. And so today, Father, we honor your body that was broken for us. We take and we break of it and we say, we understand your sacrifice and we give you thanks. And Father, today as we drink of the juice, we remind ourselves that not only were you broken, but you were victorious and your blood has covered us so that death passes over our home and we are set free from all bondage. That, Father, you are greater. Jesus, you are greater than a lamb that was spotless in the Old Testament. And just like that spotless lamb in the Old Testament not only allowed death to pass over the homes of the Israelites, but it also made them where there's not one weak or feeble among their tribe. And it also enabled them to be paid for all of their labors that they put into Egypt and to walk away with more than they came in. A true deliverance, Father, that our New Testament lamb is greater than our Old Testament lamb. And we do not just have heaven in the sweet by and by, but 
Father, in this life, we have all the strength we need to run our race because of the covenant we have with the Lamb. And so, Father, today we thank you. We give thanks for the blood of Jesus. We give thanks for the covenant that's been cut with us. And, Father, we say in Jesus' name, we will be victorious too. We love you, Father, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this podcast has helped you spiritually, we're asking if you can help us naturally by sending in a gift or becoming a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc.